Welcome to the life-changing fitness podcast. All we do is change lives. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the life-changing fitness podcast. And it's a special uh, episode this week because uh, I have the privilege and the honour of interviewing Dr. Joe Swartz, who's a specialist in the field of uh, endocrinology. Um, I'll allow um, once I in, uh, once I in, uh, introduce Dr. Joe into the um, uh, into the podcast to give a a full uh, introduction of uh, who he is and. Uh, his background, um, but it's it's with um, great excitement I bring this podcast because um, there's this uh, the topic of low testosterone is something which uh, has been present in our media uh, over here in the UK for some time now, uh, but it's been under bubbling under the surface, and uh, there's still the, a lot of confusion, skepticism. Um, and stigma uh, about the topic of low testosterone and particularly the treatment. Um, who it's affecting and uh, how we treat uh, testosterone and the the symptoms of low testosterone. So um, I thought there's there's no one better to uh, to interview than the the man himself, Dr. Joe Swartz, who um, I became a big fan uh, of his audio book, um, which I should have up in front of me, but uh, I don't, which is titled uh, Men's Hormones uh, Made Easy, How to Treat Low Testosterone, uh, Low Growth Hormone, um, Erectile Dysfunction, uh, BPH, uh, Andropause, Insulin Resistance, Adrenal Fatigue, Thyroid, Osteoporosis, High Estrogen and DHT. And it's a fascinating, uh, fascinating audiobook, which is um, uh, a good a good seven hours long and I'm um, uh, on my second way through it, it's filled with so much information, so, so much good information, and uh, I thought there really would be no no one better to do this podcast with than than, than Dr. Joe himself. So, on that note, um, I welcome Dr. Joe Swartz. Hello, Dr. Joe. Hello, Daniel. Thank you so much for that introduction. I am a family practitioner by training, so I... I can't claim myself uh, as a specialist in endocrinology. I am a family practitioner, and 10 years ago, I began studying in, in anti-aging medicine. So my training has predominantly been through a American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, so that's called A4M for short. And they're the leading educators in anti-aging medicine. So I'm basically a family practitioner that has specialized in anti-aging medicine. We, my, my wife, Yvonne, and I wrote our first book, Secrets About Bioidentical Hormones, in order to educate people as about the importance of bioidentical hormones and optimizing hormones in general. One of the first goals of anti-aging medicine is optimizing hormones. And so our book was designed not only as a guide for patients to be self-responsible and understand their own hormonal situation, 
but it also was designed as an update for physicians who had, who had not kept up to date in anti-aging medicine. So we, the, our eighth book is Men's Hormones Made Easy. And again, it's an attempt to educate self-responsible men on their own body, their own hormone system, and guiding them to optimize their hormones, not only the sex hormones, but also adrenal, thyroid growth hormones. Fantastic. That's um, that, that, that's great, Dr. Joe. And uh, I, I think the, the, the most relevant thing here is you know, low testosterone, low testosterone may be um, a, a cause of or, or whatever um, specific reason, um, but there are also so many other hormones which can be affected and influenced um, from the effects of low testosterone. Um, and uh, just having just that insight on on things like growth hormone and thyroid, uh, which are so so prevalent and um, relevant to testosterone, um, is. It, it, I suppose what, what makes your audio book so fascinating in the sense that you, you don't just, we're not just learning about low testosterone or delving into that one specific topic because there are so many other things connected and so many other things which are important and influence um, testosterone that it has, we, have to, we have to talk about everything, really. Correct. Absolutely. It's, it's, it all begins with that and exercise. If you don't diet and exercise, then you can't have optimal hormones. Once you go beyond diet and exercise, then it's a stress and toxicity, as well as physical health conditions that affect your testosterone production. And I think what the um, as as we move on, and uh, I start to delve and ask you some questions uh, into this, Doctor Joe. There'll be there'll be some points in which there'll be terminologies, there'll be phrases, there'll be um, uh, words which are used, which you know a, a lot of the people listening to this may not understand. So I think what I'll do is I'll play the idiot um, in this interview, and if at any point we use the word, um, yeah, for example, um, TRT or um, HCG. Um, if perhaps maybe um, I could then ask you just to elaborate what those uh, abbreviations or, or terms mean, just so that we can um, just again expel any confusion that, 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 may, that, that may cause. That'd be great. So I think, um, I think as you highlighted, the, the, the importance of, of our hormones uh, arise from diet and exercise. Um, and I suppose that's you know heavily where I influence uh, a lot of my clients is in the importance of um, uh, dietary nutrition, particularly dietary fats, um, and how um, leading a a balanced, healthy life um, can optimally and efficiently uh, allow our bodies to continue their, their natural paths until you know our day comes where we we say goodbye to this world, and um, but. Evidently, we live in a society now where diet and exercise is uh, misused, abused, and uh, can lead to um, downregulation or um, mis... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hor hormones which aren't functioning correctly. 
and uh, and and are caused from really ultimately a a, a poor nutritional background um, the majority of the time. So I think it's really important to note for the people listening to this that um, we're going to specifically be talking about low testosterone. Um, the prevention of which is a good healthy lifestyle and nutrition. Um, however, where we, we're going to start talking about the symptoms and the treatment of it, and that's really to fix it. And then the long-term goal after that would be, again, through the aid of uh, dietary nutrition and, uh, and exercise. That's right. Lead on. <laughs> Fantastic, Dr. Joe. So, um, again, just so, just so the viewers, uh, sorry, the listeners are aware, Dr. Joe's in Hawaii, um, and we're in the UK. So there is a slight lag, slight delay. I'm going to try to edit most of the delays out. However, if there is a pause, um, that's just down to the Skype delay. So I think with no further delay, let's let's delve into the realms of low testosterone. And I suppose the the first thing we we, we should ask ourselves, Dr. Joe, would be. What are the symptoms of low testosterone and how is it caused? Well, the first thing is to understand um, what we're talking about when we say low testosterone. There are three different categories of low testosterone. The first category would be suboptimal testosterone. That means that your testosterone level is below what is optimal for you for optimal health. Now, this will be within the normal reference range of testosterone values. So we're talking primarily about blood tests uh, for testosterone. Uh, you can do saliva tests for testosterone, but uh, most physicians uh, function with the blood test. In the United States, the normal reference range for testosterone is something like 300 to 1,000 nanograms per deciliter. And if you are within that range, but your normal is lower than what is optimal for you, we would call that suboptimal. If you're within that reference range, but you have a disease process so that your testosterone levels are dropping, and you're still within that reference range, we'd call that subclinical. So that with subclinical low testosterone levels, if you wait long enough, then you will finally descend below the magic number of 300 or 350. It varies between physicians. And you will drop below the magic number that is the lower reference range. And then you will have the diagnosis of hypogonadism. So hypogonadism is where your, your blood testosterone levels are below the lowest reference range of the laboratory. Fantastic. And so if what, what are the first signs of somebody experiencing a reason to go and get their testosterone levels checked you know if they're if they're not aware of their blood levels at, at this present time um but they're just not feeling right in themselves and, and you know we're, we're talking about men here um of you know of, of any age but traditionally the older that we get the the lower our testosterone levels do 
um, fall and therefore more relevant, I suppose, we're talking about the older generation of men in their kind of 40s, 50s, 60s and above. Um, what kind of symptoms would they be would they experience that should cause them to go and get their levels checked? Well, one of the very first symptoms and a subtle indicator of testosterone dropping is libido. Uh, our libido as men is very much testosterone driven. And if you find that you just don't have the interest in sex that you've had in the past, then that would be a very early indication. One of the physical findings that I ask patients about that I find is a very nice indicator of adequacy of testosterone is morning erections or a chubby. So if men find that they're having uh, morning erections on a very frequent basis, then they're going to pretty much have adequacy of testosterone. Once uh, ability to function and erectile dysfunction, that tends to occur significantly later than the loss of libido. Also, it can, many things can cause erectile dysfunction. Uh, the second thing a man would often notice would be decreased muscle mass. Whenever you have an adequacy of testosterone, you just lose muscle mass predictably. Uh, it's not only that if you exercise or you can't put the muscle mass on, it's the fact that you consistently year by year are losing muscle mass. The bones are similarly maintained by testosterone. And so it's a silent indicator. Um, osteopenia, which is loss of a mineral in the bone, or osteoporosis, which is a severe loss of mineralization of the bone, occurs with uh, low testosterone, primary hypogonadism. So one of the first things that I want to see if a man does have low testosterone is what his bone mineral density testing is. The heart becomes weaker. It's a muscle like the extrinsic muscles. So the heart is not as strong. Depression uh, is very much related to loss of testosterone, so it can be one of the more predominant symptoms of low testosterone. It's uh, first you, you lose drive, you lose the edge, and then that progresses to frank depression. And of course, if you're low in testosterone and you don't have libido and your intimacy um, with your wife is less than it has been, all of those things, of course, are going to be encouraging depression as well. Fantastic. And I think from um, from uh, my perspective, working with um, a few clients who have experienced uh, low testosterone symptoms and who are under the treatment of uh, testosterone replacement treatment, which we'll come on to uh, in a moment, um, the other uh, a, f a few other things that they, they pointed out uh, and again, and this was through the mainly the the, the depression side of things um, was the knock on effects of that depression. So how it then affected the rest of their lives. So increased stress, um, decrease in sleep quality, uh, energy levels are also massively declining. 
um, just not wanting to do anything, let alone sex. It's um, it's 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 pretty startling. The symptoms can can spiral very quickly out of control. Absolutely, the you know the effect of depression in terms of relationships with peers, uh, with the other sex. Uh, with the, the increase in fatigue that you feel affects the overall neurotransmitter balance in your brain. So the chemicals that actually uh, allow the brain to function, serotonin and dopamine, GABA and acetylcholine, are very also sensitive indicators of optimized hormones. So with lack of testosterone, that will directly affect a dysfunction of the neurotransmitters, and of course, all of the problems in life that occur as a result of depression will exacerbate or increase those neurotransmitter imbalances. And I think I think the other thing to to, to recognise as well, if you know, if someone is listening to this and and is going through the checklist of symptoms, and they're they're starting to to, to resonate with some of these these symptoms, is you know, not all of those symptoms. You don't have to experience all of those symptoms to have low testosterone. Um, they they are very common. A few of them are very commonly linked, um, but you can you can still have a libido to some extent, um, but experience the lethargy, the um, the depression, um, and whatnot. And a, a client of mine almost refused to go to the doctor when I suggested low testosterone because he he had a very active sex life still. And I and I I eventually persuaded him because I said that's just one symptom. You know, psychologically, your uh, sex drive may be there, but as we know, testosterone is massively influenced by it. But it, it's not necessarily the overall uh, influencer of that particular symptom. That's absolutely true. Many men have perfectly fine uh, libido and sexual function, and they have significantly low testosterone or can even be hypogonadal. But once you become hypogonadal, you're usually having some noticeable uh, changes in sexual function. Now, Dr. Joe, what is hypogonadal? That's where your testosterone, the blood testosterone level, is less than the lowest reference range which is 350 to 300 nanograms per deciliter in the United States. Fantastic. That's what you referred to, to, to earlier, which is great. So if we have a listener. With their, they're listening to this, and they're, they're ticking off the symptoms. They're waking up in the morning without an erection. There's no drive to have sex with their partner. Um, they're feeling upset for no reason, uh, maybe even crying for no reason. Um, weight gain low energy, um, highly stressed, poor quality of sleep, um, you know, feel like they're getting smaller, maybe even suffering from, um, from, from, from bone damage or, you know, bone aching of some kind. At that point, they go and see a doctor, a medical professional, they get their blood tests done and the tests come back as, 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 as positive as in they are suffering from a low testosterone range. The doctor will then typically, obviously, suggest diet and nutrition is is um, focused on. But 
Um, hopefully, with any sense, they'll be led straight down the path of medical treatment through what's called TRT, um, which is known as testosterone replacement treatment. Tell us a little bit more about that, Dr. Joe. Well, with hypogonadal men, you want to differentiate whether the problem is because the brain is not stimulating the testes to produce testosterone or the situation where the brain is trying its best to stimulate the testes, uh, but the uh, testicles are not able to respond. Uh, so the problem is testicular. And the first, for the brain, you use a blood test for luteinizing hormone, or LH, uh, to differentiate the two. So the pituitary puts out luteinizing hormone in a healthy man to produce uh, the testosterone from the testes. This feeds back to the brain, and the brain says, okay, we have enough testosterone, and then it lowers the stimulation. If a man has low testosterone and the pituitary or the brain is not trying to stimulate higher production with a high LH level, then the problem is really in the pituitary and the testes are probably atrophic, uh, but otherwise fine. You can, of course, have a combination, and very often that's true, where you have uh, the testes have some dysfunction and aren't able to respond so well. The pituitary has some dysfunction. It's not stimulating all that well. But the men who have low LH hypogonadism, uh, the differential diagnosis or what's causing that is quite different from men who have a high LH hypogonadism, where the pituitary is doing its best to stimulate testes that just can't do the job. So hopefully a physician will uh, follow up the low testosterone level with a luteinizing hormone level uh, in order to differentiate these two types. When it comes to treatment, if you have a high LH hypogonadism, meaning the brain's doing its best, the testes can't respond, then testosterone therapy is going to be the primary option. There are three primary ways of delivering testosterone. Uh, the most commonly used method would be a gel or a cream. The gel is more commonly used in the cream, so this is something you put on your skin once or twice a day. The next mode of treatment, uh, which is second uh, most favored, would be intramuscular injections of testosterone. And then the third method is pellets, where your doctor makes a small cut in the skin, inserts pellets of testosterone, uh, and that has to be repeated every two or three months. But once you start testosterone therapy, you pay a price you will begin to have atrophy of your own uh, system. Uh, your brain will not be producing LH or FSH, which is important for the formation of sperm, 
without LH and FSH coming from the brain, because the brain says there's plenty of testosterone, then the, tes the testes begin to atrophy, as well as the sperm production capacity. So you don't start uh, TRT lightly. And once you begin, unless you find a reversible cause for the hypogonadism, then it's going to be a lifelong therapy. If you have a low LH hypogonadism, and especially if you want to maintain fertility, there are two other drugs that can be used to treat that condition and return healthy testosterone levels. The first is an injected hormone called HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin. Um, in the United States, this is, has been used popularly for uh, rapid weight loss programs. If you give it in 10 times as high a dose, then it very effectively uh, can stimulate the production of testosterone. The other therapy is Comifin. The brand name is Clomid, and that is especially effective for fertility because it not only stimulates the testes through acting like luteinizing hormone, but it also acts like FSH on the testes so that you avoid the atrophy of both testosterone production and sperm production uh, with hormone. Confused about which diet is right for you? Let us take all the stress away and design you a fully bespoke, life-changing plan. All we do is change lives. DanielWheeler.co.uk Fantastic. So the, 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 there are more ways to treat low testosterone other than just injecting testosterone, I think is the, is the key message to, to come from that. It's not just necessarily about testosterone is low and therefore let's put some more in it's it's actually what's caused the low testosterone and i think as dr joe um perfectly explained you know the uh, the pituitary gland communication with the testicles is 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 the primary focus here you know what's what is causing this mismatch of communication um, and trying to diagnose and treat that before we just start throwing testosterone into our bodies. That's correct. And, you know, the, looking at the different causes for low testosterone um, helps you understand what the treatments are. If you are treating a subclinical low testosterone or a suboptimal, of course, you're not using TRT, but you're using um, many different modalities to optimize your health. And I think one of the one of the the, the, the stigmas which comes with TRT is the the one I mentioned earlier about injectable testosterone replacement treatment. Um, we have the gels and the creams, as you mentioned. Um, but one of the treatments I'm, I'm most familiar with is the, the injectable treatment. I have two clients particularly who are, um, uh, one of which is in his late 40s and the other in his late 60s, um, who are both on the, the injectable form of treatment. And they've opted for, um, I believe they're, they're, they've been on it now for a while and opted for it to be a long-term solution rather than a short-term solution because fertility is no longer um, a concern for them. 
Now, they have both um, anecdotally reported back to me um, how incredibly startling the improvement in their well-being and their health is since taking such treatment and wondered why their doctor had never su suggested it before. What would be what would be some of the main benefits that someone, as we've um, spoken, we have the symptoms, um, but if someone is undergoing testosterone replacement treatment with testosterone specifically, what kind of benefits would they then be looking at? From the TRT? Correct. Well, you're going to reverse all the things that we discussed. You immediately are going to begin building muscle mass. If you exercise, then you're further going to be able to put muscle mass back on. And certainly our, our sense of well-being uh, and identity, those uh, as men, those with having adequate muscle mass, having increased bone strength is more of a silent benefit, but one is especially important, improving the function and strength of the heart, particularly as we get into our 60s and 70s, then it's a major uh, importance to improve the health uh, and function of your heart. You know, with low testosterone, you have sick metabolism. You can't, without optimal hormones, you can't really have healthy metabolism. So, the abnormal lipids in the blood are not going to be um, as, as healthy a profile if you have low T. It's going to improve those lipid profiles, which then uh, decreases uh, some of the um, heart attack and stroke that we're all at risk for as we age. The, there are specific benefits for each mode of therapy. The advantage of the gels or creams are that you don't have to inject yourself and these are bioidentical. The a couple of drawbacks from the from the gels, not only the frequency with which you have to apply them, but you have to be very careful that children or women don't have any contact with these um, within a specific time period after applying them because uh, they don't want to give them high testosterone levels. Also, testosterone is metabolized into estrogen and DHT, which is another form of testosterone. DHT is associated with male pattern baldness and can be a real uh, inflamer of the prostate. So if you put it on topically, you tend to have more DHT production uh, than the other modalities. I am a fan of the injectables myself. The injectable testosterones are not bioidentical. They're testosterone esters. So testosterone cipronate is one of the most common injectables. Uh, as soon as the body uh, cleaves off the cipronate, then that does leave a bioidentical testosterone. So I personally don't see that as a disadvantage, although some people might. Uh, I have a patient 
who has one of the complications of testosterone therapy, which is a polycythemia or erythrocytosis, where he makes too much uh, red blood cells. So one of the signs of hypogonadism is anemia. The body just doesn't produce uh, red blood cells adequately. One of the complications of testosterone therapy, especially uh, the injectable, I think, as well as the pellets, is that you can drive uh, the red cell count too high. If it goes pathologically high, meaning if you're hematocrit or the percentage of your red blood cells, of your blood or that are red blood cells is beyond 55%, then you can end up having strokes or heart attacks because the blood is too thick and can clot. So the a third form of therapy is the pellets. Disadvantage is that you have to go to your doctor, have a little cut in your skin. The levels tend to be higher until it gets adjusted. You do have to have repeated visits to the doctor for however long you're on testosterone therapy, but it is a bioidentical testosterone. I think I think as well it's, it's important to uh, highlight the relationship between testosterone and estrogen, and particularly in well it's it's the same with women to some extent this seesaw effect where in men when we experience low testosterone we compensate and our estrogen levels rise and it's the reverse effect for for women if I'm correct. So with men we have estrogenic side effects of low testosterone. Um, where we start to experience fat storage in areas where we would typically see women or feminine areas of the body. Uh, for example, um, with low testosterone or should I say high estrogen, um, we would start to typically see uh, man boobs, um, a lot of fat around the chest area, and uh, and also a lot of fat storage around the, the, the abdomen, but particularly the lower... The, the lower back or the love handles as we like to call them over here and um, I think that for me when I whenever I see a client who comes to me for, for help on their nutrition I can almost instantly identify a male who has high estrogen just purely where they're starting to store body fat and uh, typically one of the first things that we like to to to, to do is is to try and optimize their hormones as best as possible through nutrition so that we can bring estrogen down and, uh, and allow testosterone to do its powerful thing and, 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 and allow the benefits of testosterone rather than the, the, the negatives of estrogen. Joe, Dr. Joe, could you tell us a little bit more about kind of how estrogen has this, this powerful relationship with t- testosterone and how it has such an effect? Well, estrogen is as important for the health of men as women. There, in women, there are 300 functions for estrogen, and men have 300 functions for estrogen. So it's important to understand estrogen is a very important hormone. Estrogen in the man is formed from testosterone. It's called, there's an enzyme called aromatase that changes estrogen to testosterone, there's a very small uh, chemical difference between the two. So men form their estrogen from testosterone, 
And the aromatase enzyme is in fat cells. So the so it's not that low testosterone causes high estrogen. If you raise your testosterone and have a lot of central abdominal fat, then it will be aromatized more into estrogen. If you do have limited amount of estrogen, what small amount you have is metabolized or aromatized into estrogen, then you have a lowering of your own testosterone and you have an elevation of a hormone that is counteracting the effects of, of the testosterone. So as estrogen comes up and as testosterone goes down, both of those are going to have uh, your body put on abdominal fat. Now, a belly fat is an endocrine organ all of its own. It's an inflammatory organ all of its own. So when men have a beer belly, they have a lot of abdominal fat that is highly active in converting their testosterone to estrogen. So it also is an inflammatory organ, and it produces a lot of inflammatory chemicals that further drive a low testosterone and increased belly fat. So the um, belly fat that we see is primarily related to insulin resistance. That usually what is what sickens the metabolism so that we begin to put on the belly fat, and then it begins to aromatize our testosterone into increased estrogen, and the low testosterone and the increased estrogen rapidly help accumulate the abdominal fat, thicken the metabolism more, and it's a downhill road from there. With a team of coaches to help you with any goal, fat loss, increased muscle, or performance-related, we can help you achieve anything. DanielWheeler.co.uk Typically, when I uh, when, when I talk to people in my in my seminars or whenever I talk to my clients, I I, I refer to insulin as as the master hormone. It's the it's, it's the hormone which has a huge huge knock on effect with other hormones. And uh, you mentioned it uh, briefly uh, briefly there uh, with regards to to, to body fat, and uh, we have uh, insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity and. Um, I like to use the the analogy um, of a strong metabolism as similar to that of a, a table full of jars, empty jars. And the idea of a strong metabolism uh, would be each jar would represent a hormone. So we'd have a jar for testosterone, a jar for estrogen, a jar for insulin. And a strong metabolism would be if all those jars were filled up. And obviously all those jars being filled up is based on our nutritional um, lifestyle and our exercise regime and uh, I think as we're highlighting here you know as soon as one of those jars starts to become empty or starts to lower um, it has a major knock-on effect to other jars but also more importantly to our, our overall metabolism which is arguably the engine of our bodies 
Well, I would look at that table as having one jar that's overflowing, and that's the insulin. So insulin resistance is the beginnings of since is the beginning of sick metabolism. Insulin resistance occurs when we eat too many carbohydrates, especially highly refined carbohydrates, highly processed carbohydrates that drives our blood sugar very high. Then our whole body gets coated in sugar. Every cell and every organ is excessively coated in sugar. These cells then can't respond to insulin as well. And so the pancreas has to produce more and more insulin for the cell to be able to metabolize glucose properly. That's insulin resistance. If that gets more severe, then you become pre-diabetic. You have to produce even more and more insulin. And then you go into frank diabetes, type 2 diabetes, where the cells are so resistant to insulin, even though you're producing very high amounts. And then if the pancreas burns out and can't keep up producing those high levels of insulin, then you have more of a type 1 diabetes picture where you have to inject insulin yourself. So I look at insulin resistance as underlying sick metabolism. It underlies something called metabolic syndrome, which is central obesity, high blood pressure, abnormal or pathologic lipids um, in your blood. And the high insulin, the insulin resistance is what's driving a sick metabolism, and uh, you can't have health uh, without healthy metabolism. Absolutely, and um, I think uh, again one of the, the the driving forces of of what I like to focus on when it comes to uh, clients who aren't experienced, you know, serious medical issues like low testosterone and and whatnot, you know, before we've got to that stage is metabolic health is. Um, what can we do to to increase metabolic health um, and to improve uh, hormonal output, um, which ultimately uh, increases our well-being and our general uh, our general lives? Um, and then when we, when we experience um, metabolic ill health, this is where we we start to talk about um, uh, things like low testosterone as a, as a result of that. Now, um, I wanted to talk about the stigma of um testosterone replacement treatment in particular um i mentioned a client who was resistant to go to the the doctor to 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 get his his levels done he was also very resistant to um, have treatment and the doctor uh, wanted to uh, well suggested injectable testosterone replacement treatment treatment and uh after talking to his uh his friends about it um they instantly referred to um these mytho mythological side effects like um we would call them roid rage um over here which traditionally comes from a bodybuilding background and the the, the idea of injecting something has this taboo on it however on the flip side when women go through the menopause and go on hrt they can have a pill format um as well as other treatment 
Um, but unfortunately, we, you know, as guys with testosterone, we, we, we haven't developed a therapy where we can simply take a pill to regulate our testosterone levels. So where do you think this stigma or, you know, the 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 reason why a, a man would be reluctant to seek treatment to drastically improve his life has come from, um, in, in your experience, Dr. Joe? Well, my immediate reaction is that it's how we culturally identify ourselves as men or male, that it threatens our self-concept that derives from our society in terms of what a man really is. I think the really key thing that we want to communicate is that we want to pick up low testosterone early on when uh, before it's descended to the hypogonadal level. So if you have some disease process that's dropping your testosterone, as I said, if you wait long enough, it will end up being hypogonadal. That may be one, five, or ten years from now. During that period of time, you're going to have mild uh, or increasing problems from the suboptimal testosterone. So you have a mild loss in libido, and this I'm mildly depressed. And we want to pick up <clears throat> low testosterone uh, early on so that we don't have to get to the point of, of needing testosterone. And I've <clears throat> reviewing the kinds of things that men need to do in order to um, pick up testosterone before it gets to those severe levels in order to treat mild and moderate uh, testosterone deficiency, uh, that's where we want to begin to increase, uh, to work on this particular problem. One of the first things you can do, and what has been proven to immediately shoot out a burst of testosterone is win. Uh, when we win something, uh, and doesn't matter so much what we're winning at, but winning. Uh, is something that will cause a little burst of testosterone. The opposite is true as well. If we lose and we perceive that we lost something, then our testosterone levels drop. Uh, you know, the second thing that we all know is top on the list is diet and exercise. The third thing that a man would want to do early on would be to control estrogen. And there's not only the, the estrogen being produced by toxic belly fat or abdominal fat, you can have abnormal estrogen metabolism that produces estrogen metabolites that are very powerful and they are, um, they, they cause a tendency for cancer. So the really ugly estrogen metabolite is called 16-hydroxyestrone, and it's been shown to predispose to a few cancers, but prostate cancer is the big one. The third thing that is critically important now is xenoestrogens. So the estrogen receptor is unusual in that it allows a lot of different chemicals to stimulate it. Most 
cell receptors. So the receptors on the wall of the cell that are stimulated by any hormone, uh, the estrogen receptor allows itself to be stimulated by a host of different chemicals. Some of the heavy metals, uh, but the notorious xenoestrogens are these abnormal estrogens or toxic estrogens that aren't estrogens would be things like phthalates, which come from plastics, and all pretty much all the insecticides uh, are xenoestrogens. So uh, to the extent that we have toxicity coming in, whether it's from our tap water or our food, the detoxification of these uh, excessive chemicals, especially xenoestrogens, um, become important. The next thing is optimizing hormones. If our adrenals are not well and they're sick, then our thyroid hormone and sex hormones are not as effective. They're not optimal. The body just can't utilize them. So adrenal health is way high on the list uh, in optimizing hormones uh, to be well. Uh, the next one is treating inflammation. Uh, inflammatory processes underlie all of the degenerative diseases that we see, the arthritis, the hardening of the arteries, insulin resistance. These are all inflammatory processes. Uh, the next thing that would help raise testosterone is healthy sex. Healthy, beautiful intimacy is so important in life. Then there are supplements, zinc comes high on the list in terms of supplements that the testes uh, utilize in high amounts and relies on for normal function. Of the toxins, mercury and heavy metals are particularly toxic, especially when it comes to the pituitary function. So if a man has low LH hypogonadism, meaning the brain isn't working properly to stimulate the testes, then heavy metals and mercury kind of filter up to higher on the list. Uh, having balanced neurotransmitters and treating depression early is important. And one of the biggest things uh, is elevated prolactin. So prolactin is the hormone that is secreted for women uh, to have milk production for the babies when the baby feeds, prolactin stimulates the letdown of the milk, and elevated prolactin will decrease the pituitary secretion of, of LH and FSH. The things that most often cause elevated prolactin are pharmaceuticals, a host of antidepressants, anticonvulsants, antihypertensive medication, antihistamines, especially antipsychotics and opiates, uh, can all elevate prolactin and uh, turn off the production of testosterone uh, from the brain. Confused about which diet is right for you? Let us take all the stress away and design you a fully bespoke, life-changing plan. All we do is change lives. DanielWheeler.co.uk Wow. That was <laughs> that was a, a an answer full of a huge huge amounts of information. 
One which leads nicely on to uh, my final set of questions is, before we move on to uh, some Facebook questions, is the psychology um, of treatment of low testosterone or certainly uh, before we have to get to treatment you know how can how can someone increase their testosterone levels um with it without without treatment and you mentioned you mentioned winning which i find fascinating um the idea of just winning at something whether it be a football game whether it be a, a card game or whether it winning a bet of some kind, whatever it may be, just has that psychological, hormonal effect to increase testosterone. But then, as you also mentioned, the flip side being losing at something has also that, that the, the reverse negative effect. So you can, you can kind of understand and appreciate and sympathise massively if someone is experiencing the, te- the depression side of things, they're not actively going to be seeking out any positivity because um, the the mindset's not there, and and therefore the 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 idea of losing at something um, it becomes almost the norm, um, which then creates this spiral of negativity and um, this um, unreleasing of um, uh, emotional testosterone, if you like. Tell 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 me more, Doctor Joe, about you other than the idea of winning and the idea of having you know great sex with a partner intimate sex what other what other kinds of psychology psychological things can we do to help ourselves increase testosterone well our our brain can be unbalanced creating anxiety stress depression from so many many directions and so one way of approaching depression or the mental aspect is to look at the neurotransmitters. So the predominant neurotransmitters are serotonin, dopamine, acetylcholine, and GABA. And the intricate balance of these neurotransmitters are critical to our well-being. So whether the neurotransmitters are imbalanced because of adrenal issues or low testosterone or um, emotional stress in the life. You can look at balancing neurotransmitters, get feeling better, and then be more motivated to do some of the things that would further help improve your health. I am a fan of Dr. Braverman's work. He wrote a book called The Edge Effect. And he gives you a test. You answer these questions. And and then it determines the relative balance. So you answer 30 questions about serotonin and 30 questions about acetylcholine and dopamine and GABA. You look at your score. You can see the rough balance of your neurotransmitters and then he gives you the lifestyle changes that would improve uh, or balance out a particular neurotransmitter. Give you, lets you know what natural supplements and herbs are available uh, to balance that out. And I find um, his work beautiful to help improve the mental uh, component so that we can face and deal with uh, all of the other issues. Uh, you know, I think that Talk about losing. Well, if a man thinks, oh, if I 
lost my my hormones, it's just I'm, I'm losing. It's another loss, kind of makes them more depressed. I think the significant other uh, can be the greatest help by getting him in to see his physician and get his hormones tested to see uh, where he is and how what he needs to do to optimize his health. Uh, absolutely, and I think um, one of the, uh, the, the one of the best things about having an intimate relationship, um, whether it be with a man or a woman, uh, whatever your um, um, specific uh, sexuality is, is having the intimacy and the connection and the communication with your partner, so that they are able to be to to identify such things that we've discussed today. You know, if if you're if if the man in your relationship is is not quite aware of you know the symptoms and of low testosterone and the the importance of it, um, and you can sense that he's not waking up with an erection, for example, you know what could be the causes of that? His is his mood um, uh, dropping over time quite significantly? Is he becoming more and more lazy? Is yeah, he becoming weaker? Um, you know all these things that you can pick up on as as the partner to to that man and and, and look to help improve. You know straight away we've identified that um, you know winning at something and sex are two things which can help naturally boost testosterone levels. Um, so two things there straight away a partner can do to help help their their their, their man out is make them feel like a man by doing things that can encourage things for him to achieve and to, to win at and uh, be more attentive if you like uh, show a lot more attention in the bedroom um, on a regular basis um, and I, I suppose those are those are those are two things of, of, of many which um, that that a partner of a man can can heavily influence uh, treatment from Absolutely. You know, as, as you lose testosterone, uh, libido just kind of drops out of your life. You just don't quite notice uh, that you don't have the sexuality that you had um, when you had higher testosterone levels. So it can be so important uh, for the partner to, for their own happiness, uh, particularly if the partner, let's say it's a woman who's on um, menopausal, but she's on hormone replacement. Her libido is on fire, and she wants her man to be right there with her. So um, there can be a, quite an imbalance in a relationship when one person has a high libido or a normal libido, another person has a suppressed libido. It can be a great strain on a relationship as well as not having the depth of intimacy. Uh, that we would all like to have. So getting uh, a man in to have his levels tested or in any way you can to have the hormone levels tested uh, to see exactly what's going on and what you need to do to have uh, not only health in the man but health in the relationship. It's, it's, it's really prevalent. You should, you should mention... Um... The increased libido and and uh, sexual activity there. The 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 client I referred to, who was in his late sixties, who was undergoing treatment, I actually received a letter from his wife, 
handwritten letter to my, to, to my house, um, obviously thanking me for helping um, uh, helping her husband out with uh, with nutrition and exercise and not diagnosing the issue, shall we say, but certainly, um, I suppose diagnosing is the right term. We we certainly identified the the, the symptoms he was experiencing and 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 therefore he sought out the treatment. And uh, part of her letter, it did make me chuckle because she kept referring to their improved bedroom life. She said it was like they were 20 again. And it just made me smile, the idea that this newfound, this newfound joy release of intimacy in their sex life in their late 60s has become so much more um, enthused, invigorated, energetic... Just through the you know the, the treatment of something um, which is which is quite easy once once diagnosed really. You know the it can go the other direction if a man and a woman are both sexual and deficient they match each other they can they can certainly be happy with reduced level of sexuality if. The man, however, begins testosterone, his libido will come up. And it can be a real imbalance or disappointment in a relationship if the woman or the other partner remains hormone deficient, then um, there can be conflict uh, from that rather than harmony. I would certainly point out the fact that the other partner needs to have their hormones checked uh, so that the, the two people are matching each other in terms of their needs and their desire for intimacy. Absolutely, yeah. I can, I can certainly see how um, I can certainly see the reverse side effect there, the negative side. You know, if a man is all of a sudden particularly very, very sexually active, and you know the the, the woman's not that interested anymore, um, I, I, I can foresee you know some some quite um, some quite negative side effects there. So yeah, that's that's a really really good point well made, Doctor Joe. I suppose now that I suppose we've covered the the symptoms of low testosterone, what causes treatment, um, how we can uh, prevent it through nutrition and uh, through exercise, also the psychology of it, the stigma around the 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 treatment and uh, and also uh, the other forms of um, testosterone replacement treatment as well. Um, through identifying the other um, elements of low testosterone. Um, I think it'd be great now to move nicely on to some questions which I put out on my Facebook page. And we have about seven, six or seven questions to go through, um, which uh, some, some of them are some really, really great questions. Um, and uh, the first one is from uh, Kevin Kehane. Um, and he has asked, if you are just inside the lower level of acceptable testosterone levels, um, how you boost? How can you boost these levels when TRT is not medically advised via other methods and protocols? With a team of coaches to help you with any goal, fat loss, increased muscle, or performance related, we can help you achieve anything. DanielWheeler.co.uk the, uh, there's a kind of a list of things that, uh, and I went over some of them, I'll elaborate a bit on them, uh, but if you know that you, 
pituitary assumption normally that you have an elevation of LH trying to stimulate the testes, uh, you can uh, modify your treatment approach a little bit uh, in a more refined way if the testes are not uh, performing optimally, then that you can um, orient your treatment in that direction. I am a great believer that toxicity uh, is probably the biggest contributor nowadays to low testosterone, uh, especially if it's a younger man. If it's a man uh, less than 55 and the testosterone is low, I, a lot or the majority of those men are going to be low LH. Um, and they mean the LH level just won't be working to stimulate uh, the testes to produce more. And I think toxicity and xenoestrogens are the biggest contributor. Again, the xenoestrogens are this whole list of chemicals that that bind up the estrogen receptor in the cell wall, stimulate it not in a particularly healthy or good way, and it can, and some of them can permanently bind in the estrogen receptor. So a good healthy estrogen uh, can't find a place to uh, activate the cell in a normal way. Again, plastics are high on the list. Um, the Harrison's textbook of medicine. Uh, states that over the past 50 years, there's been a 40% decrease in sperm density attributed to phthalates. And plastics are not something that we can avoid, at least most of us. And look at the way our food comes packaged. Um, the phthalates in plastics are just a part of, of our life nowadays and as well as traces of pesticide and heavy metals, uh, lead, cadmium, mercury. So toxicity being high on the list, especially if the pituitary is not functioning well. The kind of the short version for that would be to, first of all, attend to intestinal cleansing. Um, psyllium and bentonite, is, uh, which is clay, is a good way to help that. Then looking at the liver to make sure it has all the nutrition to run the detox systems. And selenium and sulfur-containing amino acids are top on the list for that. And then mobilizing the toxins. Uh, there are some excellent homeopathics. Typically put out by the HEAL Corporation uh, that will help mobilize toxins and then bentonite clay in the intestines to bind the toxins up will uh, help them be excreted. Uh, healthy gut flora is especially important. With uh, When we take an antibiotics, we have something called dysbiosis, where a lot of drug-resistant organisms are growing in the gut. And we've killed off our good healthy flora with the antibiotics, and that causes the estrogen to be reabsorbed uh, as the body's trying to excrete it. So uh, treating dysbiosis or reestablishing healthy gut flora uh, is important. Saunas and sweats are a particularly healthy way of, of detoxing. Uh, 
treating inflammation, anytime there's inflammatory processes, whether it's arthritis or hardening of the arteries or blood tests showing inflammation, uh, would be important to treat. And keeping adrenals healthy is high on the list because chronic stress is so endemic in our modern world. And using the adaptogens are very beneficial to help adrenal health. Ashwagandha being the premier uh, adaptogen, uh, Rilora, Rhodiola, Hanex Ginseng are other uh, top-notch adaptogens to help the adrenals handle stress. And then, as we said, avoiding insulin resistance and keeping a healthy metabolism is critically important. And lastly, minimizing alcohol and recreational drugs. Uh, they are particularly devastating for pituitary uh, estrogen, tends to, I mean, marijuana tends to produce elevated estrogen, opiates, only turn off the gametotrophins or the LHFSH reduction, and uh, cause a low LH type hypogonadism. Well, Kevin, I hope you uh, were satisfied with that answer. That was incredibly in-depth, Dr. Joan. Thank you very much. Um, next question is from uh, Neil Meekings. Um, uh, he, he's very fond that we're covering this topic, which is great, and uh, has mentioned here that he's uh, got some experience dealing with the field of enterprise. Um and he would like to ask you, um, uh, do you think there is a gap in the market that's being filled by companies more eager to line their pockets than promote TRT. After all, it's the explosion in the USA, but in the UK, it is very under par right now. Uh, what do you think of the creams over injectables? Uh, any anti-estrogen... Uh, sorry, are anti-estrogens better alternative? Um, and what do you believe are the main contributing factors... Uh, to test over the lot, I think he means the, t the reduction in test levels over the last 20 years, which we have covered, so uh, we won't go into the toxicity again. Um, so, so yes, Dr. Joe, um, uh, creams over injectables and uh, anti estrogens. Well, I this is a personal bias, I, I like injectables, they are so powerful. And so effective, and it's something that you can, your doctor gives you a vial of testosterone and you self-inject. Uh, and then periodically, he should be monitoring at least hematocrit and estrogen levels and possibly DHT levels. Um, the majority of people don't really want to inject themselves and use the topicals. The top, topicals work very well. And it's more often a gel nowadays than a cream. But the disadvantage is that they tend to raise DHT um, more than the injectables. The injectables tend to have more of a problem with uh, elevating red blood cell count. And the other thing about creams is you have to be very careful once you put them on for a few hours, then uh, if a woman or a child should touch that area of your body. They would then get the gel on themselves, absorb the testosterone, which could have a, a serious adverse effect on them. Fantastic. Uh, next question is from Mike Lavery. 
Uh, being nearly 46, what are the best ways to keep good testosterone levels and everything else? I train and eat well, thanks. Um, just quickly, Dr. Joe, I'd just like to interject here with an answer for myself in this one, Mike. Um, the best way, per- personally, keeping good testosterone levels, as we've mentioned, nutrition and exercise uh, are such a huge, huge part of um, keeping a healthy uh, healthy mind and healthy body. Um, and you said you, you, you train and eat well. I hear this a lot. Um, uh, in fact, nearly every single client I've had who wanted to lose weight has told me, told me they eat well. Um, which unfortunately is the irony of the situation. Eating well is not often correct. It's uh, We have to eat smart and we have to understand what we're eating and how it benefits our body. Um, and traditionally we live in a Western society, a Western diet, which is typically high in simple carbohydrates, refined carbohydrates, um, low in protein and low in dietary fats and high in saturated trans fats. And this, 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 as we've learned, you know, is is packaged in toxic plastics as well. So it's um it's it's the best way to keep a good testosterone levels uh, through nutrition is to identify what your nutrition is, um, identifying good dietary fats of a significant level. Um, I usually always promote dietary fats over carbohydrates. And uh, and also protein. Many people have very very low protein levels, and protein really are the master macronutrient when it comes to uh, keeping hormones functional. Um, and then also exercising, um, lifting up a weight, um, stimulating muscle fibers to break and repair, um, forces the body uh, to adapt, and it forces the body to increase hormone activity um, to to repair and function. And obviously one of the one of the first things it needs to repair a muscle t- a muscle fiber is testosterone. So by lifting weights, um, we increase testosterone as an output. Sorry, Dr. Joe, that was my two pence. Did you have anything to add to that one? Well, in terms of training, I would emphasize, particularly for older men who may not have been in the gym, that to begin with uh, cardiovascular exercise, walking, 20 minutes a day, and a cardiac rehab program would be you add a minute a week, and you want at least a 20-minute sustained elevation of your heart rate. So a training weight is a more of an anaerobic activity. I'm, a, I'm training weights. I love weights. It's important that you are or you, you do that correctly, or you can very easily injure yourself, but you specifically want to make sure that you're putting in this 20 minutes of aerobic activity that we have proven uh, helps optimize hormones and increases your uh, health of your lungs and heart. And then eating well, as you said, uh, if that means eating processed food, then uh, you have to rethink that one. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of processed food as well. There's a, there's, there's a big, uh, big debate in the industry at the moment, Dr. Joe. But the, the, there's two terms of eating. Uh, apparently, there's this, the clean eating way and the non-clean eating way, and uh, the non-clean being fast food and, and, uh, and junk food and processed food. 
and the clean way being single food, whole food ingredients, um, uh, which require effort to um, to, to make and uh, to, to to eat, to, to prepare and eat, so to speak. And there is this the this division when it, in the coaching world over here. I don't know what it's like in America, but certainly over here, there's division when it comes to nutrition that. Um, we can still fulfill our macronutrient requirements by eating junk food uh, because you know carbohydrates um, are, are metabolized down to simple sugars. Um, so whether we're eating a burger or whether we're eating a potato has the same effect. Um, and there's again the the argument that eating um, uh, a pizza which has chicken on it has the same protein um, quality and quantity for your protein macronutrients as having an actual chicken breast from the butchers for example now the uh, the jury's out in my in my eyes i'm i'm a big fan of the clean eating um, and i think what we've identified here as you mentioned is the toxicity of food is as important as the food itself you know if we're receiving a lot of our foods in processed plastic materials and as you say it's having such a dramatic impact on our hormonal output then it really doesn't matter what's in the plastic foods it's the it's the plastic package packaging really which is having such a negative effect absolutely you know if we're training and drinking water out of those soft uh, plastic bottles then that the, taking it's, those phthalates from the soft plastic is especially uh, absorbed into the water and absorbed so well into our bodies and then stays there that I think that limiting the intake of toxins is probably the most critical aspect of good health in modern times. Fantastic. Uh, next question is for, from Scott Turner Percy. Um, assisted adrenal fatigue slash allergies. So, assist adrenal fatigue allergies. So, um, how can we help assist our adrenals? The biggest way is to assess if you have adrenal dysfunction. So, this is something that an anti-aging doctor would assess and test for routinely. It's something that a traditional doctor uh, would not uh, would not test for or even look at. Uh, traditional doctors see adrenals as either having massive hyperfunction, causing Cushing syndrome, or no function at all, called Addison's disease. They don't see that there are mild and moderate levels of adrenal dysfunction. Anti-aging physicians test adrenal function at 8 in the morning, at noon, at 5, and at midnight. And by seeing what the cortisol hormone steroid levels are at those four times of the day, then you can define the different stages of adrenal dysfunction. If you're stage 1, you're putting out high levels of stress hormone all the time. And... If you feel stressed, if you feel time urgent, if you feel that uh, constantly plagued by um, by something at work that's a major stressor, you can identify that you're probably in stage one. 
if you spend a long enough time in stage one, then the adrenals, they can't keep up. So then you go into stage two, where you start to sag during the noon or, or early afternoon, and then you begin to be a bit tired. Uh, and then you also begin to not sleep so well. Stage three and four, it progressive stages of burnout to the point where you're just making enough to live, but far below uh, what your tissues need for health. So doing this four-point cortisol or adrenal test is kind of the mainstay in anti-aging medicine in assessing adrenal dysfunction uh, and treating it. The adaptogens that I listed before are kind of the mainstay, but the most important thing is changing lifestyle, moderating the stress in every way that you can. That's... uh, an attitude of gratitude in life is a good place to begin. Um, and where, if you have a stressful drive to work, uh, playing audiobooks that are calming, uh, in every way bringing meditation into your life, in every way that you can modify the stress, then that's the lifestyle changes that are critical to adrenal health. Fantastic, Dr. Joe. And I think what we'll do is we'll finish on the last question here from uh, Lee Botham. And um, he asks natural hormone boosters. And he's uh, referring to testosterone boosters here. And he would like to know what the truth is, please. Now, over here, Dr. Joe, there's a big, uh, big boom. Um, It's been happening for a while. It's just continuing to grow and grow in the supplement industry is this notion that you can boost and increase your testosterone uh, levels. Now, before we delve into your answer, which obviously will be based on scientific evidence and and, um, experience, I think it's important to note at this point, you can't increase your natural levels higher than they are naturally, if that makes sense. So if you're born with the ability to produce, let's say, for example, 100 units of testosterone, you can't then increase, take something to increase it to 150 or 200. You you can only ever um, improve uh, or optimise your levels to the maximum of their natural capacity. Would you agree, Dr. Joe? Uh, yes. Fantastic. The- so I suppose, I suppose the, the, the next thing I suppose Lee's really delving into is the notion that a supplement you can take containing a DAA or a dispar- uh, oh forgive me, I forget, I forget what the, the, the acidic is, um, is the notion that this can help um, increase natural testosterone levels. What, what, are, what are your views on this, Dr. Joe? Well, in our book, we go over the majority of the testosterone supplements that are known to uh, improve testosterone or have aphrodisiac qualities. The bottom line is that if you have suboptimal testosterone, you don't want to miss improving your lifestyle or doing all of the other things that we talked about that was would be causing the, the low testosterone. You don't want to think taking 
a testosterone supplement would be okay in not exercising so that once you've done what you can to optimize your hormonal health, then testosterone supplements might be of benefit for you. I think they might be a benefit for people who have suboptimal lowering of testosterone, meaning that they don't have a real disease process of the brain or the testes. Uh, or if there is a disease process very early on, then some of these supplements might be of benefit. But in the long term, that's, there's only health, optimizing your own hormones and ha having healthy hormones uh, there's no substitute for that. So certainly if a man is hypogonadal, I would say absolutely don't think about the supplements. They, that, you're way past that and that you need to look at serious uh, TRT. Dr. Joe, are you familiar with a, with a supplement uh, called DAA, uh, diaspartic acid? No, I'm not. I think that that's the uh, the supplement in question here, um, which Lee's referring to. It's a it's a supplement which is highly um, marketed uh, over here as a testosterone booster, and um, I, I I'm under the I'm strongly under the impression that it's um that is it's a marketing myth and that DAA has uh, very little um, proven. Um, scientific backing on on increasing uh, testosterone or improving testosterone output and i think uh, what you've touched on there dr joe is is we we need to look at prevention um as, as the primary focus um stress a reduction in stress and improved nutrition and exercise really is the, is the answer um i'm never a fan of taking a pill for any reason um whether it be um, even to supplement a diet, I don't think is always necessary. I always think you can you can improve someone's diet to the point where supplements aren't even needed. Um, however, there is a case for some supplementation. You know, vitamin D, for example, omega three fatty acids. Um, these these are all things that can can certainly help improve someone's lifestyle if they have uh, um, if they have um, a large uh, uh, missing gap in their nutrition of that particular um, supplement supplement itself. Uh, so, so, so the, the, there is there is there is a a a use for supplements, um, but I would always look at uh, dietary nutrition as, as as the first protocol. And again, I suppose this is where we we we're constantly confused as a society is we're told one thing by marketing and sales, and uh, we're told another thing by. Um, in brackets, experts like ourselves who uh, who preach and promote uh, dietary health and exercise as the as the lifestyle and as the fix, you know. But that's where the effort and uh, you know we actually have to do something. And people don't like to do something. People don't like to put the effort in. Always, it's usually always a lot easier to believe that the answer is in a pill, which is. Yeah, I, I was in air about not knowing about the ascorbic acid. Um, it's a relatively new and a product. Not much is known about its benefits or its long-term risks. There was one study in 2009 that found that it increased testosterone and LH, 
No other studies have shown uh, significant benefit. Uh, some other studies, however, have uh, have shown that it increased aromatization of testosterone to estrogen. So it could be, uh, if it did raise testosterone, it may, um, in a particular individual, it may also elevate the estrogen right along with it, which would uh, not be a benefit. So, if anything, then DAA could all could, could could actually be doing be doing more harm than good. That's correct. Yeah, and we don't know anything about the effects of long term use. We don't have a clue. Fantastic. That's 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 really really good to know, um, Doctor Joe. It's 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 been a pleasure and an honour. Um, and I'd, I'd I'd like to thank you for taking almost two hours of your time out of your. Your, your 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 life to um to to help um educate me and also hopefully the listeners uh, further on this topic um it's been um i i've i've been in just sat here with my mouth open at some points like in awe of the of the information you've been given um so i'd like to personally thank you um i i'm under the impression that there's um you 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 you're doing a new book of some kind or you have a book coming out soon well, our, our latest book, uh, Men's Hormones Made Easy, uh, is just coming out in paperback. It's been out in ebook uh, and the audio book for a short while now. So it's available. Uh, all of the books are available through doctorhormone.org. Uh, Men's Hormones Made Easy, as well as our other books. And... Uh, Right now, it's the only source for the paperback. Amazon very shortly will have the paperback uh, and all and the audiobook. The, uh, the the audiobook in particular, um, I would I would highly recommend. I've listened to it once already, and on my second way through it, um, I got it from iTunes, and um, it's it's seven hours of just amazingly detailed information it's uh, it's incredible be, uh, am i right in believing it's your uh, your wife yvonne who narrates it doctor that's correct yes yvonne right she does a great job doesn't she oh absolutely absolutely and it's it's just it's such it's easy listening to um and you know i, w- I will be honest there's a lot of technical information in there uh but it's 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 very very well um uh, written to the point that you know most if not all people will be clearly understand it and uh and those who are fans of the endocrine um system and the human body and the the, the anatomy and the general physiology of 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 humanity um will probably want to give it two or three listens as as I'm doing as well so I would highly recommend it so that was drhormone.org um and the audiobook is from iTunes you can get now and the paperback is, is 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 very soon to be released on drhormone.org and from Amazon. Dr. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much for your time once again. And um, I'm going to get cracking on your second audio book. Um, remind me of the name of that one. Secrets to Lose Toxic Belly Fat. Um, so I'll be listening to that one intently uh, very, very shortly. 
Um, it's often my morning cardio routine is to listen to a good audiobook. So I'll, I'll be getting through that one, and uh, I may well be asking for for a second interview based on the uh, based on my reaction to that that audiobook as well. So we'll see near the time if I can persuade you for another podcast. Well, it's been an honor, Daniel. Thank you so much. No, no, thank you once again. And um, check out the uh, the website DanielWheeler.co.uk. Um, hit me up on Twitter uh, at Dan Wheeler um, or Facebook, which is Life Changing Fitness. Uh, for more of these podcasts and keep up to date and ask some more questions um, that you have. And um, I'll do a follow-up feature, a follow-up podcast, um, a solo edition, which will be episode 10, um, if you guys have any questions um, about this particular podcast as well. Uh, So that's uh, that's it. Let's wrap up, Dr. Joe. uh, Thank you very much for your time. And um, uh, I wish you all the best, and we'll speak soon, no doubt. Hello, hi, Daniel. Welcome to the Life-Changing Fitness Podcast. All we do is change lives.